Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. So, look, we're doing baptisms today. <laughs> that was, I gave you the cue that time. Um, so, I know many of you are coming to that. Um, it's going to be New Jersey. If you're like, oh, I didn't know and I kind of want to go, come talk to me. We'll see. We have maybe a little bit of space in some cars, so just come talk to me. But it's right after service today. Um, so to jump in today, I'm gonna, it's going to be shortened what I'm speaking on, but I feel the wind on it, and I feel there's, there's something about even like the message we're talking about of, of faith and the importance of faith that I want to give you a little more twist and turn on it. So, so we've been talking about, last week I spoke about being all in for Jesus, right? All in for Jesus. And this is, I'm going to build off of that today in a condensed different way than I thought I was, but I'm going to. So all in for Jesus. Listen to that if you haven't yet. It'll, it'll help connect the dots, but I'll bring you right up to speed um, today. So we, we talked about last week how your life is made to be fully submitted to Jesus. That's the standard. And we, we look through different ways that God called the disciples to follow him and how they left it all. They, they, they pushed all the chips in and they followed him and they, and they left everything behind. And so I want to continue on, on that topic. And I want to talk a little bit about, for me, um, what happened when Jesus encountered me and, and what, what was asked of me. Um, because I talked a little, a little bit last week, when we're, when we meet the Lord, just like with the disciples met the Lord, he asks everything of us and he actually calls us and he gives us, he gives us a vision for a, a people, um, to reach people. So what he does in us, we are made to like, to give that out, to, to extend that. So we're called to actually, the Bible says, resist the ways of the world, but we're actually called to reach the world key difference. Resist the ways of the world, the ways, but reach the world itself. The world is not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy, and the world is the field that we're called to reach. And often we can confuse those, those things, and especially in a season we're in where you feel the world is after you, or you feel oppressed, you feel frustrated with laws or people or things that are, that are happening in your world, and you can start to think the world is the enemy that's going to oppress me. But the enemy is the enemy, and the world is what you and I are called to reach. The lost people in the world, our hearts are called to break for them. So that's a big, big distinction, and I feel it's so important in the season that we pull that apart to see rightly so that, so that our heart is truly breaking for those that are, that are in front of us. Because how many of you know, you, you can respond to things that happen, right? Frustrating things. And, and you can respond in a way, you can respond in a lot of different ways. Okay, so let's say the world frustrates you in some, some manner. You can respond by getting angry and, and wanting to push back and fight back. Um, and there's parts of that that aren't necessarily wrong, but, but there's a, the core of that is a bit off. You can respond to the world by being numb. You just say, I, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to experience like what the world is throwing at me. Um, so I'm just going to numb myself and act like it's not happening. Um, or you can respond to the world by being afraid and saying, man, like I'm terrified of what's happening in the world. I'm going to get slimed by the world. So I'm just going to distance myself from the world. I'm just going to start my own thing and separate myself. 
Or you can respond to the world by letting God break your heart for the world. Letting him break your heart for the world. And that's, and that's, what, that's really the heart posture that we are designed to have. And that's how we engage with God's heart. And that's how our prayers actually become these like places of like movement in the earth because our heart's breaking for the world, because we love the world, because we understand Jesus died for the world. He gave his life for the world. And so, so when I was, going back to when I was um, just met the Lord, the Lord gave me a call to reach high school kids. And in part, that was because I had met the Lord as a high school student. And, it, and he stirred up in me um, this desire to reach them. But how many of you know when you get stirred up, when God, when God does something in you, it causes you to do things you wouldn't normally do? Like, it, it stirs in you. And so I started doing things I would normally do, like playing video games all night with high school kids playing violent video games sometimes. I'm like, please, I don't want to play anymore, but I need to show up. God's called me to this world. I'm going to be in the world as best I can, right? Um, God, God called me to be a youth pastor to also break up relationships. I broke up a lot of high school relationships <laughs> because how many of you know, how many of you had high school relationships that were not of the Lord? You know, hands everywhere. Um, and every high school kid thinks that, this is the Lord's perfect one for me. And I was like, dude, do not pray that, and God will not answer that. Let's hope he doesn't. Um, God called me to even coach soccer for high school kids when I didn't even know anything about soccer. <laughs> Let me tell you, we weren't very good. Um, God called me to choreograph synchronized swimming. Yeah, and we won. Thank you very much. That's the anointing of the Lord. But all that being said, when you get caught up in the calling of God, when you get a vision for a people group, when you, when you, you burn, your heart breaks for the world, it, it's much more effective than just having good vision, good motivation, like being disciplined. When you have his heart, you will go. Amen. You will be sent. And you won't even think about some of the implications So I believe today, even as God's pouring out on us and you see things, freedom breaking out, you are called to steward that freedom by taking it to other people. Like your testimony, even from today, is essential. It's essential. And it's cool today that we're doing baptisms and those that are being baptized are going to testify as to why they want to be baptized. And, and that, for all of you that are being baptized today, that is pure gold. Like, you hold on to that testimony, and you speak it to whoever will listen, whoever will listen, because that's your connection point to the world. Like, your connection point, because you were of the world, but you're not anymore. But your connection point is your testimony, is how you came from the world, and God redeemed and restored and renewed you, and now you're a new creation in Christ. So we're going to celebrate that today, but each and every one of you need to know your testimony is gold, and even what God did today, you need to go share it with somebody. You need to go and, and declare it, and in obedience, and that's what I want to talk about today, in obedience, let other people know what Jesus has done for you, and he will move on that sort of, on that surrendered heart, that all-in mentality. I'm going to share with anybody who will let me, because I'm, I'll, I'll pay whatever costs for Jesus. I want, I want to make him known in the earth. That mentality is, is I mean, it's how revival fires start. So I'm going to 
I'm going to skip down. I, I want to I want to read about how Jesus called a man to be all in. And that man is the rich young ruler. You familiar with this story? Rich young ruler. And this story of this man has been messing with me like all week. <laughs> messing with me. So you probably know this story, but I encourage you today as we read it, as we delve into it a little bit, let it hit you afresh. Let it stir something new in you. Because this rich young ruler, he comes to Jesus and he's but desperate for answers. But Jesus gives him different answers than I would expect, maybe than you would expect, and certainly different than this man would expect. And it's a sobering, challenging text, but it's rich with wisdom, with revelation, and with application for us today. Rich, rich with it. So my kids, they... um. They're funny. So I have a six-year-old uh, named Fern and a four-year-old named Lilu and a real little one named Florence who's almost one. And, uh, and my kids, you want to talk about breaking up relationships, all right? They, like, they're boy crazy already. I'm like, please, like, can you give me a little more time? Um, I know. Like, I didn't think I have to deal with this so early in life. And so they come to me, or my daughter Lilu comes to me, and she's like, ah, oh, I want to marry my tennis coach. He's like a teenager, and she's like, all she does is talk about this guy and how she, you know, she loves him, he's so great, and I'm just like, going back to my high school ministry days, I'm breaking this thing up, like, this is no good, not in my house, and so Fern, you know, is hearing this, and they're kind of chatting about it, dreaming about marrying this man, I'm like, what are you talking about, and, uh, and Fern says, I'm like, you can't marry him, I'm your father, you can't do it, nope, and Fern says, well, what about free will? Okay, well, theologian, you want to talk free will, do you? And Lilu says, yeah, what about free will? She doesn't even know what free will is. <laughs> and, uh, and I say, well, well, I'm your father, and God has placed me in charge over you, and God says that those who obey their parents, it will go well with them. So you want to talk theology, obey me, I'm your dad. You can't even legally do this anyway. And so anyway, I, I tell them that, and they, I kid you not, they start chanting, free will, free will, free will, free will. I was like, what is this rebellion in my household? I will squash this. But even a child understands that we have choices, that we can choose certain things. We can choose to obey or we can choose to disobey. God, the, the very fact that obedience exists means you have a choice. And so in that moment, you know, I can convey all these, try to convey all these truths to my kids. But the truth is there will come a time when they do get to choose to obey me or to not obey me. And we're, we're playing around, right? This is silly. But we have choices every day. You and I have a choice whether we're going to obey our Father in heaven or disobey. Every single day. And you know what? I can share this message really freely because we just experience extravagant worship and the love of the Father. 
So when you talk about obeying, it can throw us off because it seems intense or it's about power, control, but not when you have a loving father. Obeying is wisdom. Tell Lelou she needs to obey her father next time you see her, all right? So I'm going to jump into Mark 10, 17. Jesus is calling this man to obey, and let's hear what he has to say. Mark 10, starting at verse 17. Jesus started on his way, and a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Thank you, Jesus. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Keep that in your mind. Now let's read what he says. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have. Give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Very challenging, very sobering, certainly for us in America with such a rich nation and a rich city that we live in. Now, this man, he's probably 18, 19. I mean, he's, give a couple years, he's very young. Um, And you see in his questioning of the Lord, he's very much, following the law, like he's, he's into the law, so he wants to know how does he achieve eternal life. So his questions are already heading in the wrong direction. He's trying to do it by works. He doesn't understand grace through faith in Christ. I mean, Christ hasn't been crucified, but all he knows is the law, and he doesn't know about following the man Jesus, about, about a Savior who's willing, who, who is himself going to be the righteousness this man needs for eternal salvation. So he's trying to do it by his own works, and, and perhaps he even wants to justify himself by asking these questions to Jesus. He wants to justify and say, I've done enough. I want to feel better about my situation. So can, does this count? Like, will this get me in? And so his questions are really show that his heart is in, a, in not such a good place. But you see, Jesus loves this man. And he loves him so much that he's going to tell him the truth. He's not going to coddle where he's at. He's going to speak to him directly about what it takes to follow Jesus, about what's required of this man. And his works are not what is required. Following Jesus is what is required. He's not going to achieve his righteousness in any other way. Now, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, really interesting theologian, pastor, spy. Um, he was around in uh, during World War II, and really, I mean, one of the most amazing men I've ever, I've ever read a biography on, absolutely incredible. He has a book called The Cost of Discipleship, and in this book, he comments about the rich young ruler, and he says a few interesting things. He says, Jesus calls the rich young ruler to action and not belief. 
Isn't that interesting? He doesn't call him to believe. He calls him to obey. And you think, Jesus, like, why can't you meet this man more where he is? Like, why, why can't you, you know, like, give him a few steps? He says, no. Like, if you want to follow me, you need to lay down all of your treasure. Give it to the poor. Everything you're holding on to. Be all in for me. And then come follow me. He's very direct. And that's in love. He loved this man. So he says, drop the academics. Drop the trying to, you know, trying to, like, go through these intellectual steps to, to feel like in these actions, to feel like you're justified and leave the one thing that you won't leave and follow me. Very clear, very straightforward. And what Bonhoeffer says is doubt and reflection cannot take the place of spontaneous obedience. How many of you know in this culture, in this era in the world, we get so caught up sometimes in doubt, reflection, and, and we want to just, well, we'll when, once everything is figured out, once I believe enough, then I'll obey. Then I'll do it. Jesus didn't let this man off the hook. He said, obey me, follow me, and drop everything, because that was what this man needed, and this man wouldn't do it, but that's what he needed. I was at the pool the other day, yesterday actually, went swimming with my daughter Lilu, and we were at the edge of the pool, and Lilu is used to jumping into the pool. Like she's like, she actually asked me, hey dad, can we come over here and jump in the pool? I said, sure. So we go over to the edge, and she's out there, she's super cute, she's got her swimmies on, and she's like ready to like jump all in, and I, I catch her, I've caught her every single time. We've done this all summer. And then all of a sudden yesterday, she's like, she starts to hesitate. And she won't, she won't jump. And, and you can tell there's fear kind of welling up in her. And, uh, and I'm like, Lilu, like, jump. Like, I'm right here. She won't do it. I'm like, Lilu, come on. Like, you've done this a million times. Like, you love this. Jump. Do it. Won't budge. I said, Lilu, stop thinking about it. Stop trying to figure it out. Jump. One, two, three. She didn't jump. <laughs> I said, Lilu, jump. One, two, three. She's strong-willed. Nope, not doing it. Jump, Lilu. One, two, three. How many of you know she did not need me to coddle her or tell her to think about it more or try to explain all the intricacies of, of how to do it and how to, where to jump? And she needed me to, to, to gently and lovingly tell her, jump, do it, obey. And the second she popped off of that you know, ledge where she was, even before she hit the water, complete joy complete laughter, joy, rejoicing on her face. And I knew that. I knew that that's what she needed. I knew that would liberate her, that she's not supposed to walk in fear. But I had to call her 
very specifically and say, come, come out, jump. We need, there's so many people in this world that you and I are called to reach, right? I started off talking about that, the world, God's heart for the world. If we give them a gospel where we coddle their unbelief, where we we just say, you know, just, just hang on the ledge and, and think about it, and, and one day, like, you'll have faith, and one day things will change. If we give them that gospel, we sell them short. That is not the gospel. That is not, the, the kingdom of God demands all of us. All of us. And if we speak and we preach that gospel, some people won't budge, but others will jump in. And their lives will be transformed. All in for Jesus. This is the way to live. And it's the way to declare his goodness to the world. And it doesn't mean that we're insensitive. Not at all. But it means that we, we're fearless to declare the things that Jesus said to speak. And we call people into the deep. And if we don't do that, they end up kind of floating around, going with the stream, going with the world. And they have no focus, no vision, because they've never been told, you need to be all in to follow Jesus. For you and for I and for myself, are there areas in your life where you're waiting to have faith for something instead of just obeying. You're waiting for certain things to come. Even this morning, like this is what we were doing. Step into your healing. Step into your freedom. Sometimes we want to wait for faith to come and things to change. And God's saying, what did I say to you? Obey. I go, but Lord, I don't believe. But when you obey, you do. <laughs> See, faith requires obedience. Obedience requires faith. So Jesus said to the man, follow me. Follow me. And so I really believe that as, as, as we are moving in this season of bringing forth the harvest of, and I use that term, and it's, I want to describe it a bit more. As we move into a season of declaring the goodness of God, the gospel of the kingdom, and we see more and more people come in to the kingdom, it's so critical, it's so critical that we are authentic and real with them and what Jesus has to offer and what the real cost is of following him and, and, and what, what the gospel really entails. This generation, this young generation, they want authenticity. So we want to bring strategy. We want to bring, we want to be shrewd, but we have to be authentic first and foremost. And I believe there's a lot of people, a lot of young people specifically, they are living for something else because they don't, they don't recognize what you and I both know, that Jesus is the solution that they're looking for, but they, don't, they haven't actually been called. Like, they haven't actually been told this is the gospel, and it, it demands your life. And actually, you're going to go, and you're going to, like, give your life for Jesus and, and go to the world. 
Like they hear that in other areas, but the church, we're not saying that. Like we're not giving them enough purpose, enough meaning because we're not displaying the full gospel. And I think sometimes we don't do that because we don't want to set them off. We want them to come in. We want to kind of call to them, meet them where they're at. And we need to meet them where they're at. But we need to tell them what it means to follow Jesus. And it means you're all in. And they will resonate with that. And they will grab a hold of that. And some won't. Some will be offended. But it's worth it. Because the ones that are called will grab a hold of it. You know, 20-some years ago, somebody told that to me. They said, you need to follow Jesus. You need to give up everything in your life and follow him. And I had friends sitting to the right of me and the left of me. And those friends heard the same message. They were in the same situation. Nothing changed in their life. But by the grace of God, something changed in mine. Everything changed in mine. And so when I go and I speak to anybody, or I, and, and, and even back in the day when I would go after these high school kids, I thought to myself, what if somebody like me is sitting in the crowd? Like, what if somebody like me is sitting in your office? What if somebody like you is sitting in your office? And when you come and you, and you tell them how you've laid your life down for Jesus and you display it to them, they're, they're going to respond. Something's going to happen and others won't. But the ones that will, will only do it when you speak the word of God to them and when you display it with your life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this. Worship team, could you, guys, could you guys come up for me? The good news of Jesus comes packaged in vessels that are submitted fully to him. This is the package that the gospel is delivered through. See, we need to know the word and speak the word, but it's actually a surrendered life, a surrendered heart. A, someone who's willing to, as I talked about last week, to suffer, to be persecuted, to be all in, to lay their life down, that is, that is the vehicle that the gospel, that the gospel, the kingdom of God is meant to be packaged and released to the earth. So it's not just about articulating truth. It's about showing a life that's laid down for Jesus, no matter what. And, and when people see that living for Jesus is costing you something, that you're willing to speak out and, and declare the truth of God, but you're also willing to pay a dear price in your life to follow him, that's when the gospel becomes a lot more impactful. And that's when people, people become awakened to what you're saying, when they see the cost that you're willing to pay for Jesus. So that's how, the, that's how it works. Like That's why he set it up that way. Um, I was looking at these stats, and these are sobering stats. You know, in the Northeast... 55% of people, only 55, believe that God even exists, that are convinced. 55%, it's a Pew Research study, believe that God, know that God exists. 55%. One out of every two people that you meet don't, aren't even convinced that God exists. But your words and your life will change that. And when you're all in, they will notice.
they will notice because it's very different than the world. Talk about the, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. The world cannot offer that. The world, Jesus says, peace I give you with, peace that the world doesn't have to offer. So even as I'm sharing this about reaching the world, being all in, laying down your life, you're going to reach them because you also carry a peace that they want. So it's not just, yeah, we're going to run in there and like, you know, give them the fiery gospel and baptize them in the office. You're going to go in there with peace, with confidence, and you're, gonna re- you're not afraid to reveal your life because your life is truly submitted to Jesus. And your testimony will bear much fruit. So I, I want to encourage you, even in this company, we need to get more used to sharing our testimony, and I encourage you to practice with one another. Like, find somebody you trust and just share about the goodness of God. Just tell them about, even if they, you, they know you, you know them, just share with them. Start to get, get in the habit of, of letting that flow out of you. And I really think God will bless that because it is a harvest season that we're in. And those that are walking in this all-in mentality, I'm telling you, you will see so much fruit. All right, everybody, can you stand for me, please? So, Father, we pray today that you would give us the grace to respond in obedience to you. And right now, Father, I pray for, your, for just a holy conviction in our hearts of places where you're asking us to obey. You're asking us to step out. You're asking us to submit, to live a life all in. Holy Spirit, give us the grace today to obey. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, that we would freely give as we have freely received. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and remind each and every person here, every person on YouTube, remind us of what you've given us, of the treasure of our testimony. I feel like there's people here where you're like, ah, my testimony is just not, it's not crazy enough. It's not going to bear enough weight on the world. And the Lord would say, no. He would say, no way. In fact, your testimony is part of why, is part of the thing I'm going to use to redeem the challenges you went through. Your testimony is going to connect with the right people. So I just feel by honoring your testimony, by being obedient and sharing it, you're going you're gonna to draw people and you're going to speak to people's hearts because you're valuing what God did in you. And I just see the spirit of gratitude just like overwhelming us. Like it's like an evangelism of gratitude and thankfulness where it's not like we're coming in with like so heavy handed. We're coming in and we're saying, look what Jesus did for me. I'm so thankful for the freedom I have. 
I used to be suicidal. I used to be out of control. But look at me. I've got peace. I got joy. I'm not perfect, but I'm free. I'm free. Some of us, we forget what freedom feels like because we just swim in way more freedom than the world has. But we forget what it feels like because we just get so used to it. And because we're not enough, we're not engaged enough with the world, and we forget what it feels like to be in chaos, in disorder. So you, feel, you might feel chaotic this morning, but I'm here to tell you, if Jesus lives in your heart, that is nothing compared to what the world is facing this morning. They are facing fear like we don't even know. Because we're here today underneath <laughs> this security of our loving Father. We're here today, we're talking about obedience, but it's not scary because we have a God who fully obeyed and who was persecuted, rejected, and suffered. And all he says is follow me and do as I do. We have a God who has empowered us to obey, to believe, and given us the grace. That was kind of a prayer, and then I don't know where it went, but <laughs> I want us to worship a bit more this morning. And so I want to encourage you, Even we're just going to go right into worship. If there's things from today where you feel like, God, I need the grace to obey, I want to obey you. I want you to come up and just worship him, thank him, and ask him, God, would you give me grace to obey what you said, to walk in your way? Would you give me vision? Would you break my heart for the people groups that you've called me to? Let's worship. <laughs> 